Good evening. I am excited that I get to live stream to you guys, but if I'm being honest, I'm a little bit sad as well. I, I miss you guys, and I miss the singing and the classes that we get to have, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to COVID being not so frustrating and not so in our lives. And as I, I think about it, I, I'm going to venture to guess that I'm not the only one who's feeling that frustration. And I've been thinking about that this week, and the way that life is difficult and frustrating and confusing sometimes, and for some reason, we don't really want to admit it to ourselves. We have this, I guess, American Christian narrative that says real Christians aren't sad. They don't cry. They're just always happy all the time. And, you know, they have such blessings. How can they be sad? And that we should just count our blessings and that'll solve all the problems. But if you've ever been in a situation where someone said, count your blessings, and you did, and it didn't work, and you, you're still sad, then you'll understand that there's something deeper at play, something deeper in our emotions that needs to be acknowledged. And so tonight, I, I want to talk about a section of scriptures that we usually avoid because they make us uncomfortable, I think, and that is the laments. Now, there, these are passages mostly in the Psalms, but sometimes elsewhere, that really display the depth of pain and frustration that people feel, and they express it to God in candid terms. And I think that we are reluctant to do that sometimes. Reluctant for two reasons, I think. One is because we've, we've been fed this narrative that says that Christians are always happy all the time, and so we don't want to admit to ourselves that we're sad or that we are hurt or confused or frustrated. And the second reason that I think we might kind of bury our feelings and avoid psalms and, and thoughts like this is because for some reason we feel like we have to hide our real feelings from God, that it, somehow it's irreverent to tell God how angry and frustrated we are. But I would like to debunk both of those uh, myths tonight as we delve into these passages of scripture. And we're going to be talking about lessons that we can learn from the laments. And there will be two this evening as we dive in. So open your Bible, if you will. We're going to be reading large sections of Psalms. And so open your Bible to Psalm 44 to follow along here. Um, this, the first psalm that we're going to look at, this Psalm 44, is, is here to show us something important, and that is that it's okay to be honest with God. Like I said, sometimes I f we feel like we need to uh, hide our real feelings, that it's, it, it's not good for us to tell God all that we're feeling. But if you, you look in a passage like the one we're about to read, you will see that this author brings all of their pain, all of their confusion to God and says, here, here is my stuff, help. And what's profound about this first psalm is that I think it really captures 
something in the essence of human suffering. And that is, so all psalms uh, of lament, all laments, contain three elements. One of them is a, a statement of despair. I am in pain, or famously, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These kinds of things, where they, they cry out, and there's pain. And there's another section, which is a cry for salvation. God, rescue me. But the third element to a lament in what makes this psalm particularly interesting is a statement of God's sovereignty. And usually that's going to be connected to the cry for help uh, that says, God, I'm, I'm asking you to deliver me, and I know you're capable of doing that because you are God, you are sovereign, you are unchangeable, you have promised, and I trust you. But in this psalm, it's actually the other way around, that the statement of sovereignty is connected to the cry of pain because that is, in many ways, the catalyst for the depth of pain that this psalmist feels. And so we'll read Psalm 44, and these first few verses are deceptively positive, but you will see uh, soon the, the, the depth of pain that this author is feeling. So Psalm 44, it says, O God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days. In the days of old, you with your own hands drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. So this psalm starts out praising God for the things that he has done in Israel's past, that God drove out the Canaanites and he gave the land of of Canaan to his chosen people by his might. And so the author goes on to elaborate on what this means for him. He says, you are my king, O God, ordain salvation for Jacob. Through you, we push down our foes. Through your name, we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God, we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. So this psalm continues. God, you did great things for our fathers in the past. We've heard about your power. And we've seen it in our own lives that you gave us strength to fight our enemies. And uh, I have this connection with you. He says in verse 4, you are my king, O God. And so this this psalmist has a a relationship with God that's that's very close, that he's dedicated to God's word. And so from these first eight verses, it seems like this is a pretty calm, pretty standard psalm. But it takes a hard right turn at verse 9. But you have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. You've made us turn back from the foe and those who hate us have gotten the spoil. You've made us like sheep for slaughter and scattered us among the nations. You've sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You've made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face at the sound of the taunter and the reviler, at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. 
all this came upon me, came upon us, though we had not forgotten you. And we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your ways. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten your name, if we've forgotten the name of our God or spread our hands to foreign gods, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, why are you sleeping? O Lord, rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. This psalm is really powerful. And it's powerful for a couple of reasons. One is that this author, as we said, he doesn't hold anything back. He says, you gave us this covenant. You said if we follow your covenant, that you're going to keep us safe, that you're going to rout our enemies out. And we did that. We, we kept up our end of the bargain Where are your promises, God? Why have you, as he says in verse 11, made us like sheep for slaughter? Why have you made us, as he says in verse 19, why have you broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death? Why are we a taunt? Why are we losing? Why are good people dying in battle? Because we trusted you to be there and you weren't. This this psalmist brings out chillingly, honest feelings against God, which I think in many cases would make us uncomfortable to pray this way. But this psalmist, he lays it out there before God. And I think that if we thought about it for a second, that that would make sense as the most logical thing to do. Because while it might make us uncomfortable to pray to God in this way, he already knows the thoughts of our heart. And if we're feeling this weight, this pain, and we hold it back within us, and we don't bring it before his throne, then how are we going to get resolution? How are we going to have any change if we are not willing to trust all of our pain and all of these feelings to the God that can actually do something about it? So I think this, this proves, one, that it, it's okay to be honest with God about the feelings that we feel and to bring it all before him. But the other reason I really like this psalm is that it's messy. Like, there is this wisdom of the Bible that says, if you do what God says, he will protect you. And yet, we know from life's experiences that it doesn't always work out that way. God is not a vending machine that if we poke in the right, you know, combination of prayers and good deeds that he's always going to do what you want. Sometimes you're going to fail and sometimes you will not understand why and it's going to be frustrating and confusing. But what's even more messy about this is that this psalm ends with 
a statement of, of confusion. Basically, he says, where are you, God? What's going on? Are, are you sleeping? Are you not listening to us? What's happening? And the psalm ends there. And that makes it different from a lot of stories in the Bible. Because you think about all the beloved stories that we, we like to read, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they stood up to the king, that he threw them in the burning fire, but God rescued them. Or you think about David when he was on the run from Saul. Like, it was scary for a minute, but God rescued him. But here's the story here is, God, I don't understand what's happening, period. And in this way, it relates not just to the story of like Job in the Bible, who has immense suffering and he never understands why. But I think it fits our suffering because this is a cry for suffering in the middle of the story. Before the end comes, there is just the confusion. And if you've ever been there, if you've ever felt the anguish, and I know many of you, probably almost all of you, have felt this pain in a deeper way than I have, because I've lived an extremely blessed life. But I've started to realize recently that I, I need to be more candid with God and more candid with myself because I have been frustrated in the past and I just haven't known what to do with it. I haven't known to bring it to God, but I've, I've been there. This feeling of frustration and confusion where there is no answer. And maybe you wait a day, maybe you wait a week, maybe you wait 10 years and you never get an answer. And in all that time, it's frustrating and it's messy. But when you read a psalm like this that is equally confused and has a messy ending, there's some comfort in that because it helps us to know that we're not alone in our pain and in our confusion. And so we have a psalm like this to teach us that it's okay to be honest with God and to show us that sometimes there is no answer. And that's hard and it's painful, but it's also not always the case. Sometimes there is no answer, but sometimes there is. And as we turn over to Psalm 102, which is our second psalm for the evening, we're going to learn something else about the power of lament. And that is tears ripen to praise. That when we have pain, when we have anguish or confusion, when there's something in life that just drains you and you don't know what to do or it's life is making you feel worthless or powerless day in and day out, if you know that feeling and you, you bottle it all up inside, there is not going to be a powerful rescue from that in the same way that there could be if you say, God, here is all of the feelings I am feeling. I am deep in pain, in misery. I don't know what's going on, but I know you can take it. And when God takes our pain and works in our life, answering our prayers, transforming us to help us be able to carry through or to have understanding or something, when God answers those prayers, then we have an opportunity to praise him for the wonderful work he's done in our life. And that's what we're going to see here in Psalm 102, where it begins similarly to the statements of pain that we find in the last psalm that we read. 
But this psalm has an ending to it, a happy ending, an ending that says, God, you came, and I want everyone to know the work you did in my life, where my tears ripened to praise. Let's read Psalm 102. And uh, we won't read the whole psalm this time, but we will read uh, the first 11 verses, and then we'll skip through. And verse, starting in verse 1, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke. My bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass and has withered. I forget to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I'm like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I'm like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. All the day, my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse. For I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink because of your indignation and anger. For you've taken me up and thrown me down. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. This is another great example of what we saw in point one. It's okay to be honest. If you feel like your days are withering away like grass, take it to God. If you feel like a lonely desert bird in the middle of the desert, take it to God. If you feel like you forgot to eat food or that the food that you are eating is ashes, take it to God. But beyond that, we will see that when you take it to God and he does something about it, that tells you something about God. It strengthens your relationship with him. And instead of this pain and anguish driving a wedge between you and God, it draws you together. Let's keep reading. In verse 12, it says, in contrast, we'll start, sorry, before verse 12. In contrast to all of this, uh, he feels like he's in a waste place. He feels like he's fading away like grass, this transient, faint nature of life. In verse 12, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered through all generations. Skip down to verse 16. For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. That he looked down from his holy height from heaven, the Lord looked at the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who were doomed to die, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord and in Jerusalem his praise. When people gather together and kingdoms to worship the Lord. I love the way that this psalm uh, continues from this pain. He says, but you, God, are enthroned forever. In contrast to the transient nature of man's life, God is firm and established. And what else can you say about God? In verse 17, that he's a God that regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. We learn through pain and bringing it to God that God listens to the prayers of those who are in pain. And furthermore, in verse 18, this is what I love about the psalm. 
Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. A lot of times when we go through a really rough patch in our life, when we feel pain and frustration, we don't want to talk about it. We want to keep it hidden. We want to you know, put up a strong facade against sometimes even ourselves, but especially against other people. But here's what the psalmist says. He says, I felt all this pain, but I cried out to God. And I want everyone to know, let this be recorded, write it down, let, let my children and their children read about the story of when God heard my cry and rescued me. And that's what's amazing about bringing our cares and troubles to God, is because when we pretend like we don't have problems, then it's hard for God to save us if we're saying, oh, that's nothing. Well, then God saved us from nothing. But if we acknowledge our pain for what it really is, which is a big deal in our mortal eyes, then God is able to rescue us from something amazing. And we can tell other people about that and say, look at the things that God is doing in my life. Yes, I was in pain. Yes, I was frustrated. I felt useless. I felt like a dry piece of grass. But God came. He rescued me. And if you feel that way, take it to God and let him work in your life. And yes, sometimes it's going to be messy. And like our first Psalm, when you're honest with God, sometimes we don't get an answer immediately. And sometimes we wait a long time to see what God is going to do. We wait a long time for the resolution of, but then God rescued me. But sometimes it happens pretty quickly. And in those times, we have a great opportunity here to praise God. And so what I'm hoping that this lesson does is that it introduces us to two psalms that really show us what it's like to bring our pain, to bring all of the sadness, all of the confusion to God and, and lay it before him. And when we do that, that's going to allow us to create opportunities in our lives where we can see God at work, where we can see God answering prayers, where we can tell other people about it, where instead of letting our pain just cause us misery or our pain drive us away from God, or instead of having a pain that we pretend we don't have and so we just get more in pain, what if we took it to God? And, and let him work in our lives and let him transform us and make us ready. And if you're feeling pain tonight, and I, I know that there are some of you guys that are, because it's hard. It's a hard time to be in. We're, we're isolated from each other at a time when we really need each other more than we have in a long time. And there are people in this congregation who are going through really hard things or have just gone through really hard things, and they need prayers. But if, if that's you, then take your pain and bring it to God. That is the message for tonight, that when you have those feelings, it's okay to be honest. Take it to God. And when we have tears filling our pillows, take it to God, and he will hear us. 
He will be there, especially take it to God when you feel like God isn't listening. Because that's one thing that is beautiful about if you'll go back to Psalm 44 or maybe just in your mind. That despite all of the things that he says in Psalm 44, that I feel like you've rejected me, I feel like you have uh, forgotten your promises, despite all of that, he still takes his pain to God, which on a logical sense might not make sense because he feels like he's been burned. He feels like it's not working, like God's not listening. But especially in those times, our psalmist in Psalm 44 teaches us to take that pain to God. And so Tonight, I, I hope that you'll, you'll consider this message, consider the opportunity that your pain and frustration and confusion, when adequately looked at and really, uh, when you consider it for what it is and you take it to God and you let him work in your life, it can be an opportunity for great growth, for great uh, connection with God, for great uh, stories of God working in your life. And if you just... Let him do that and trust him to take care of our pain. I think that you will find that this would be very encouraging and very helpful because our God is so amazing. And yes, life is difficult and confusing and frustrating, but God is always there, even when it doesn't seem like he is. He is there and he will listen and care for us. So, I hope that you'll consider these thoughts. We'll have a prayer, and then the lesson will be yours. Let's, let's pray. Our God, who sits enthroned, powerful, steadfast, you are awesome, you are sovereign, and yet sometimes in life, it doesn't seem that way. Sometimes it seems like this world is raging out of control. And though on an intellectual level, we understand that nothing can thwart your plans, it sure is frustrating to see this virus keep us from being together, keep us from having opportunities to grow and to encourage one another. And so we ask that you would be with us in this time and help us when we need each other most to find new ways to reach out and to be there for one another. Help us when we're feeling the pain and confusion to take it to you and not to let it fester within us. And we hope for answers, we hope for guidance, but if there is no answer, if we have to wait till we get to heaven to understand why we had to go through all of this frustration, then that would be okay. But help us to see, even in small ways, the way that you can work in our life. And help us especially to get to see uh, transformation and salvation. Take our pain and transform it to joy. Deliver us from the pit so that we too can say, write this down for future generations so that people can see that you, God, are a God that listens to the prayers of the downtrodden. 
God, we don't hide from you that we feel sadness and uh, confusion sometimes, pain and worthlessness. And in those times, we ask that you would be with us and comfort us and give us the strength that we need to make it through so that we can come out on the other side and say, my God delivered me from that pain. God, be with us. Give us strength. Give us peace and help us to see you working in our lives. We thank you so much for all that you do and all that you will do for us. In Jesus' name.